0: We who are surviving salute each and every one of you. So Nancy, you're coughing. I, I'll let you know this. As we, uh, the work that I have uh, on the side, you know, we were hanging sheetrock this week, or hanging insulation, I should say. And it doesn't have backing on it, and I think i got some in my sinuses. Needless to say, I've got a really nice deep voice today. How's that sound? Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to First John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, I've referred to this passage before. This is not going to be the only part of the text, but it will give us our our starting point for today. So we're going to go to 1 John chapter 2. Let me get over there with you. My pages are all not cooperating. All right, and let's go to verse 14. 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to go down to verse 14. The purpose and the title is called The Tempting of Jesus. That's the title we have today. But I want us to consider a little bit about what we're going to read here. Alright, verse 14 of chapter 2 of 1 John. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. I want you to underline the word overcome. We are overcomers, not because we uh, have done anything on our own, but because we have Jesus Christ in us. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the Father the love of the Father is not in him. For all things in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And if you hold your place here, let's go back to the the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to go to chapter 4 of Matthew. And we want to start reading there regarding the temptation of Jesus Christ. This was the area that I began to think about for this morning's message. And as I studied it, as I prepared myself for it, I I was amazed uh, what I'm seeing in this passage. Let's go to verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now mind you, the Spirit was the one who brought Jesus to the wilderness, and the whole purpose was to be tempted of Satan. And when he had fasted 40 days, and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. It, it is very difficult and it's very challenging for anyone even to today to fast and to pray for 40 days. Uh, let me just stop here just for a moment and, and give this to you. How many of us have ever prayed and during our prayer time we have fallen asleep? Or during our prayer time we drift off into another thought? The reality is Jesus had perfect command of his body, and he had perfect command of his thinking and everything else. So whether he prayed quietly or prayed aloud, he could keep the train of thought completely upon the things of God. So it wasn't just a matter of fasting. It was a matter of fasting and dedicated prayer unto the Lord God verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the devil taketh him to the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God. Cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not be tempt, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And he saith unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. I think it's interesting that the first passage that I had us read over in First John speaks of the three elements that we face in this life. We talked about the the love the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I can see all three of those in the temptation that was given unto Jesus Christ. I bring those up to you today because when I think about all that goes on in this world, people are just saying, But I'm only human. We have oftentimes stated that we are overcomers, and that's one of the reasons I said you underline the word overcomer or overcome the world there in First John chapter 2, verse 14. When we think about overcoming, we are overcomers, not because we have done anything on our own, but because Christ has overcome all things in us. Now, as I pointed out, it is difficult to pray and to fast. For me, it's even difficult for one hour to pray and fast. I'm, you know, as I pointed out, uh, I remember one time that uh, we, I worked a third shift, and the little church that I was pastoring at that time, I said, we want to get together on such, such mornings, and we're going to have a prayer and fast time. And I remember I went in, and, uh, you know, I, I had to learn to pray with my eyes open. Because if I didn't keep my eyes open, I, could, I would fall asleep right in the middle of my prayer. You know, there's no sin in that. Please understand that. It's just the weakness of the flesh. Well, I guess there is a sin in that. But anyway, the reality is, is that when you take a look at it, we don't want to be distracted by the things of this world. It takes a lot to get this flesh into subjection. It takes a lot to bring this spirit within us up and have that strength. I want you to also know that there is this commonality that is being reported, even in pulpits today, where people are saying, and the Lord went to the wilderness to affirm who he was. I have a problem with that. Because when I take a look at Matthew chapter 4, and I go to verse 1, it said, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He did not come to affirm who he was, he came to be tempted of Satan. In other words, at this point, at the beginning of his ministry, if Jesus could overcome the temptations that were going to be offered him by Satan, then he could also overcome the entire world, no matter what. We want to go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask him to guide and bless us as we study together today. Again, Father, I want to thank you for your blessings, and I pray that you will help us now to not only know your truth, but, Father, to also to overcome the things that you have given us. Help us, dear Father, to know purposely more about you. Father, there are so many people that want to drag Jesus Christ down to their their level of thinking. But, Lord, Jesus was not only God, he was completely man, and he knew why he had come. When it says that he came and is when his parents were looking for him, and he said, do not you know I must be about my father's business? He was already affirming that he had come not only as a witness, but as the Savior of all mankind that would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Help us then, therefore, Father, to know the truth of thy word, Lord, not only to know the things that are given, but, Lord, that we might rejoice in you, and we will give you forth the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I begin today, one of the things that I look at is where we are finding our society, if you will. We are, we, I made mention of this in the previous service about Jesus coming in the fullness of time. Now, think about what we faced in that time frame and think about what we are facing in this time frame. I'm talking about 2,000 years later. When Jesus came to this world 2,000 years ago to be born of a virgin when the fullness of time was right, no one expected him to come. Already the people were given up on the idea that Messiah would come. Very much today. Do you realize that people are Goes, do you know brother so-and-so? I said, Yeah, I do. He said, Well, he's now turned away from the pre-trib position and he's gone off on this other tangent. I said, basically he's all millennial. And he goes, Well, yeah, he has. And I said, Well, the reality is we are giving up on the idea that Jesus Christ is coming back again. I and that he's going to return. I don't know the But keep me in the back of my mind to always be aware that Jesus is coming again, and I don't want to be involved in mischief when he comes. Because I have a testimony that I need to keep and for others to see as well. The second part of this, and this just as important, is that when Jesus came to this world, people were following the law.
1: And every time the Pharisees would walk around with their spyglass, they were looking to
0: see if you made one little mistake. One what the they are committing sin, and that sin is what is going to bring the destruction, not only of the flesh, but of souls that don't know Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. When people go to the Holy City... I, I, man, I have wanted to go to Jerusalem. I still want to go to Jerusalem. I'd love to be able to walk in the places where not only Jesus walked, but do I want to go for any reason other than to give God the praise? Now think about that for a moment. I have been in... I've had opportunities to be in with many Roman ruins. There, some of the best Roman ruins I, I, I ever saw was in Germany. Right at the very edge on the uh, Mosul River, they had built what they called the, uh, the Schwartz, the, the Schwartz uh, Gate, if you will. But anyway, it was the Rhine Gate that would allow you to um, pass over into the land, which was called the land of the Hun. But when you take a look at the basilicas and their coliseums and everything that they had in those areas, it, it's surprising to me that those were over 2,000 years of age. The same thing holds true. When I go back, why do I want to go where Jesus walked upon this earth? I can do the same thing here. I can serve Him by studying the Word of God and I believe everything that I see. I don't believe that He died where they said that He died. I don't believe He was buried where they said He was buried. I don't believe that He was born where they said He was born. So why do I want to go back? Because I'd love to see the city. I'd love to see the Holy Land. But once again... If there is no real purpose in me going, should I go? That's a good question. Third point. There are millions of prayer slips that are in the wall to this day. And why are those prayer slips brought into the wall where the temple wall had been? The reason is, people are asking for Messiah to come now because they don't believe that He's already come. That's why they're praying that. They're praying... is allowing the book of Zechariah to open up to understanding that the Lord's going to come when he said he is going to come to reveal to the Jews that forsook him so they will look upon him whom they pierced and say he has come he's come the second time there are many Jews already that are believing on this and because of that it should give us a greater understanding of the things of God So let's go back to Matthew chapter 4 for a moment. And I want us to take a look at what Satan did with Jesus Christ. Now understand this. He quickly found Eve's Achilles heel, if you will. When you go back to the book of Genesis, and when you go to chapter 3, the first thing that Satan did was to approach Eve and deceive her with words that said, God's holding out on you. But he knew that this is the Son of God. you see this again, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And he took those three things, and those were the things that he tried to tempt Jesus with. Let's go and let's take a look at it. In verse 3 it says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God. Now, who is it that is affirming What? Is it Jesus that's affirming himself? Or is it Satan trying to bring doubt into Jesus Christ? You see, the first thing that we've got to always understand is Satan wants everyone to... and the reality is to answer him are you really who you say you are notice what he does he goes I know you're hungry man how many of you have ever walked in a house and freshly baked bread is being made I love the aroma of freshly baked bread, and whenever I see freshly baked bread, I see the butter on the table. I see that big gob of honey or apple butter, whichever's in season. I don't know about you all, but we just robbed off a bunch of uh, honey off those bees, and there's some honey in my in my in the kitchen right now. Don't you dare take my honey without permission. I will share, just a little bit. But anyway, and, and I don't like Bob Evans honey. Because that's not, or not Bob Evans, Kentucky Fried Chicken Honey. Because it's it's honey substitute. It's not honey. I like real honey. But you take that fresh bread and you put that big slab of butter on it. It's already looking good to me. And then you pour that honey on top of it. I want honey running down my arms, down my, you know, right into the plate so I can take and lick the plate later. And that first bite, how many of y'all can taste that first bite? to my grandsons one time I said do you know your mind will give up on you I said I'll give you an example of that I said take a lemon how many of you have ever taken a fresh lemon now I want you to smell that lemon and I want you to take and cut that lemon and then smell that fresh lemon and then cut it into quarters into wedges things like that now you've got one of those little wedges in your hands and you're getting ready to put it in your mouth how many of y'all can feel that tingle in your feel that tingle right now can you you know why? Your mind will play a trick with you. And do you know that when Satan looked at Jesus, he said, I know. And I, you know, and then will feed you. And I love what Jesus did. He took the temptation, which is the lust of the flesh. Oh, something to eat. When I'm on a diet it seems like everything under the sun goes against me. I realize that the first three letters of the word diet are die. And I understand this as well that when you're on a diet you're going to die to something. And that piece of chocolate cake that German, it seems like I'm always dieting right before my birthday. And when that occurs that means that I'm not getting a piece of birthday cake. But the reality is, is that I understand what's wrong with me. I want what I want, even if it's to the, the lust of the flesh. And the lust of the flesh says, and I want you to get this. I want you to fill in this blank. I'm not blank enough. Now think about that. You fill in the blank. I'm not blank enough. You know what the sins of the flesh do? They convince you that you're not good enough to be part of God. Some might say, I'm not pretty enough. Some may say, I'm not strong enough. Some may say, I'm not good enough. But the reality is, is that it isn't what you have done, but what Christ has done for you. Do you realize, God's word, not because of Mike Prater. I was just an instrument that was usable for the Lord God. And so if I lift myself up in pride, I have to remember someone's already planted the seed. Somebody's already watered the seed. I just got to do the harvest. The second thing we see outside of the lust of the flesh is actually, when we take a look at it, is going to go all the way down to the pride of life. In Matthew chapter 5, then Jesus then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Man, as I stated, the temple was beautiful. Herod had done a lot to not only enhance the beauty of the temple, but to make sure that everybody wanted to see the temple and go into the temple. And he saith unto him, If thou be with they shall bear thee up thus at any time thou hast dashed thy foot against the stone. I love what one preacher said one time. If there's one thing that Satan knows, he knows God's word. He used God's word against Jesus Christ. And the reality is is that whenever Satan speaks God's word, it will sound so convincing. Anyone ever read the book of Job? You read the book of Job and and it sounds so so amazing to me because the fact is is that everything that you read is human I, I don't know human knowledge human wisdom well you must be doing do everything in your power to try to bring Job down even his wife hold your place here just for a moment and let's go back to the book of Job let's go back there just for a second and in the book of Job, I want us to look in in chapter 2. Job has lost everything already. And in chapter 2, we begin to see Job facing the reality. Now, I want you to get this. I don't know how many of you looked at it. Verse 11 of chapter 2 of the book of Job. Now, when Job's three friends heard all of this evil, make sure I'm in the right place. Um, no, hang on verse 9 and then said his wife unto him dost thou still retain thine integrity now I want you to get this who is it that can cause the greatest harm to any of us and that is the person that's closest to us I want you to think about that for a moment the person that can cause the greatest harm to us can be the person that is the closest to us And here is his wife. I don't know about Job's wife. I don't know anything about her because we're just being told a few little things about her. No doubt she was a handsome woman, a beautiful woman. But she looks at Job and with disdain she makes this statement. Dost thou retain thy integrity? Look what she tells him to do. Curse God and die. My, what a loving shrew she must have been! How many of us have, would want to commit suicide in the name of God? Well, that's what Saul did. King Saul committed suicide he had nothing to live for. And whenever you see the suicides
1: in the Bible, it was
0: all the integrity of was found in verse ten. But he, but he said unto her, "Thou."
1: I love you, but you're being foolish right now because you're thinking like
0: they're thinking. I remember many years ago that when I was in high school and I, I was one of the people that I graduated with pretty good honors and things like that. And one of the people in the school said, "You ought to be made to become a doctor." I said, why should I become a doctor? Because! I said, I'm sorry, but, you know, unless God opens the the doorway, I'm not going to become a doctor. I became an engineer. But do you realize that people want to tell you what you should do with your life? Satan was telling Jesus what he should do with his life then what we find here is that we find Job answering his wife. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we receive and not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. Let's go back over here and let's see if we all see the same thing. In Matthew chapter 4, we find that Jesus answers Satan in such a way that he understands not only what Satan is trying to get him to do, but the fullness of it. Look at what it said in verse 7. And he saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, it may sound very easy, but the pride of life says, Well, if you really are the Son of God, God's not going to let anything happen to you. Matter of fact, how many of you all have ever sung the song, It is well with my soul? The man who penned that song literally became somewhat insane in his mind. How many of y'all know that he later on declared himself to be Jesus Christ? He had literally found that because he had gone through so much that he thought for certain that he was deity. Even though he had lost his, because he lost his daughters, he lost his only child. And this was one of the things that really happened to his life. But here's the thing. When we think about all the temptations in this world, I belong to Christ. I'm not Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ. Why do I belong to him? Because he gave himself for me. And not only did he give himself for me, he gave me the everlasting life that I I, I don't deserve. Look what it says. You can cast yourself down and be plummeted off these stones And there you're attempting suicide. Now think about this for a moment. How many people have attempted suicide and survived it? And then they turn around and and there's one or two things that happens in their mind. I was a fool in doing it, or I didn't succeed. The reality is, if I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I want to align myself with Jesus Christ. I don't need to be convinced that he is the Son of God. He has already demonstrated that he is the Son of God. He has given him... try to kill Jesus. We also see what we call the lust of the eyes. Watch this one. This one really amazed me. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high and shall. Did you all see the picture I I, I put on the uh, bulletin today? Go outside and see that beautiful flower. I love flowers. In fact, one time I was, uh, I was hunting or whatever. Maybe it was in the spring of the year. I don't remember. And I just happened to look and there's a special wildflower called a jack in the pulpit. It's pretty much indigenous to this area. And I looked at that flower and I didn't want anybody to touch it because it was so beautiful. And I looked at the flower and I just kept looking at it and looking at it. The glory of God was in something called a flower. But do you realize the glory of God is never intended for us to get used to this earth? Look what else it says. And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee. You know, if, if Satan was with me and he said, Man, I will make you the king of kings. Little king of kings. I.
1: Church building will need to be expanded
0: You're your lips. You're going to just smile and everybody's going to be drawn to your smile. I don't need that. But that's exactly what he was offering Jesus. He said, all this I will give you if you will do one thing. Look what he says. If thou wilt fall down and worship me. I wonder how many people have fallen down and worshiped Satan over Jesus. Think about it. There are many preachers in this world, and I have seen them. There's one preacher that he, he loves flying airplanes. And he literally set up an airplane to where all the people kept giving money, giving money, giving money. And he took all the money that he had and bought a new airplane. And then he had the audacity to fly it over the top of the congregation so they could see what they bought. I mean, you all remember Liberace. I remember this. One time I was watching TV, and I loved the way he played the piano. And he showed off his diamond rings. And in true Liberace fashion, he goes, well, you might as well admire them. You bought them. Isn't that the way the world is? We want one person to succeed, and we will do everything in our power to fall down before him. When I hear people speak of prosperity and the prosperity gospel, I'm going, show me that in the Word of God. Show me clearly what Jesus said, and you will. Jesus said, you won't. I will show you when the Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content. Whatever. I'm going to go hungry. And in everything that God has given me, grace to preach the gospel unto you. Satan was only offering him what he could offer him. Didn't say that you're not going to have trouble. I'm only going to show you the glory. And you realize that when you have something, Somebody else wants it. Accept your salvation. They don't want Christ. They don't want the true sa- Savior of this world. And I love what Jesus saying to him. Notice this. In verse ten, it said, "Then Jesus saith unto him, Get me so small and oh, no get the No, no, no." He
1: was really a
0: power. When Jesus spoke, he spoke with power and he spoke with presence and he spoke clearly to this man, to this demon, to this one that was wrong. Later on he would say this he would say to Peter the same words get thee behind me. yes he was because satan because peter was listening more to the voice of satan than he was to the things of god when peter said "Oh, i have forsaken the lord more and I can even count. But I pray that that the the time that I have left upon this earth, that others may hear and see in me Christ Jesus my Lord. And they will know with with all fairness who he really is. That is also called the lust of the eyes. Then the devil leaveth him. And here's the thing, it's beautiful. You know who affirmed, if you want to use an affirmation, You know who affirmed that Jesus was, the Son of God? The angels. Look at verse 11. Then the devil and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. We don't even know when we're being ministered to by angels. When was the last time that you just had such difficulty of your life? When was the last time that you felt like everybody else was forsaking you? And we are told the promises. I want you to see a verse. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And I want you to go down to verse 5. I love this verse. It begins with our conversation. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Who do we covet? Or what do we covet? Do we want a new car? A new house? new woman? What do we really want in our life? What do we covet? Well, you might get it, but have you ever counted the cost? But notice what it says. Let your conversation be without covetousness and content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the greatest power of all. I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Do you realize that the day is going to come that I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, not erect. I promise you this. I will fall on my face. And when I fall upon my face, I'll allow Him to lift me up. Come here, son. This he sense chills up my spine right now. I will fall upon the face because I stand in the glory of the One who deserves it. And when He lifts me up, I will—I I think I'll be like Daniel, weak, kneed, and everything else—and He'll embrace me. Welcome home, son. Welcome home. You had a long battle, didn't you? Sometimes you failed. Sometimes you succeeded. But you're here because of me. And then he will turn to the father. Look who's here. Your son. Your child. I, played, I paid the price with my own precious blood. How precious is that? So let me ask you today, what is it that's keeping you from truly falling after the things of God? He began his earthly ministry by enduring the hardest parts of life. But he overcame for you and me. Aren't you glad? Father, again, I want to thank you for your blessings. And I pray, Lord, that we will take these things not only to heart, but that we will keep them in our minds and that we will be prepared to serve you as you see fit. Lord, any good that comes out of this message, may it be for your honor and glory. So guide us and keep us now, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Brother Randy, if you and Sister Nancy will come forward.